Welcome to the Inspiring Tech Leaders podcast with me, Dave Roberts. This week, the roles have been reversed. You can listen back to an interview I did earlier in the year when I appeared on the Empowered Leaders in Tech podcast with Sue Parker. I hope you enjoy this episode. Today, I am very honored to introduce to you our guest, Dave Roberts, who has been ranked number three in the CIO 100, which recognizes the most transformative and disruptive CIOs in the UK and awarded top technology executives to watch by the HMG strategy. Included in the Hall of Fame by Cybersecurity Observatory for contribution as a senior global cybersecurity leader. I have had the pleasure of working with Dave Roberts, and now he heads up Stantec as a global IT director, covering Latin America, Europe, Africa, Middle East, and Asia Pacific. He is also a non-executive director and a fellow for the BCS, and a tech mentor with over 20 years of IT experience. So a huge welcome and thank you for joining us today, Dave. Wow, what an introduction. Yeah, thanks. It's, it's all great. true. <laughs> it's, a, it's an incredible achievement, really. It's great to be here. And I uh, absolutely love this podcast series that you've created as well. So um, I'm really honoured to be a part of it today. Thank you very much. And we are very lucky to have, well, what is going to be a very inspirational interview. I can feel it now. We've, we've been talking about this and, and I know you've got an incredible journey to share so we can all learn so much. Now, I want to start by talking about, you know, the, oh, well, the big challenge we've got today is fitting all of this career journey into a, a podcast of less than 45 minutes, 20 years, no less, so that we can empower those IP, IT professionals that we know will become future thought leaders of tomorrow. And I was thinking, this is such an impressive resume. I was probably thinking at the start of my career, this won't happen to me. And I bet we've got listeners now thinking, well, I'm never going to get there. And I believe that by listening to your story, we can drive those people, drive other IT professionals to reach reach for a CIO role. So I guess I'd like to start at the beginning and ask, how did you start your career in IT? And did you even know that this is the career path you wanted to follow? When I was in sixth form, I studied business studies and I knew I wanted to continue along that path, but also was keen to introduce technology into my studies as well. So I selected to do a business information systems degree at Liverpool John Moores. And what really attracted me about that particular course was that it was a four-year sandwich course that allowed me to have a placement in industry for a year. So I went and I worked for a training and enterprise council and working on the IT service desk there was a great introduction really to, to IT and it was something it was such a great experience for me that I knew I, this was a, a career that I wanted to follow once I had completed my university course so I was very lucky to have a, a fantastic manager at the time a guy called Jonathan Davis who's been an incredible mentor to me and also a friend still to this day he gave me my first opportunity with that placement course that I did but then subsequently we, you know, I went on to work with him in, in another organization and he actually gave me my first management opportunity as well so in, in a different organization altogether so yeah my role started out very much as a hands-on technical role you know starting out on the service desk and then I moved into more technical roles as a server administration and then became a Citrix thin client expert before making that jump into IT management. And that was a conscious decision of something I wanted to do. Yeah. Now, well, that's really, really, really good to hear because, you know, I speak to many people who have started on the service desk and they can't see a way out. They can't, they can't see that, you know, they could eventually reach the CIO level. So it's really great to hear somebody that did start out literally as a, you know, a junior um, service desk analyst. So that's really helpful. 
Um, so what was the best advice that you got during this, this sort of climbing the management ladder, if you like, this career ascent? Well, when I worked at Marconi, I was fortunate enough to spend some time with their global CIO at the time. And I was working out in Pittsburgh and I got to uh, ask the CIO, how did she get into that role? How did she progress to get to the, at that point? Because even even then, when I was more of a, a technical uh, expert, I guess, I, I knew I wanted to get in, into, into management. I knew ideally I wanted to be a, a CIO one day. And the, the advice that I got from her was that really, you, know, you, you need to look to keep on challenging yourself and keep progressing. And she recommended within a two and a half to three year period of time, you should, you should look to try and take on different responsibility, change your role, continue to progress really, and, and not just stay static. So. Yeah. You know, that, that was great advice for me and like, that's something I followed and you know, I, I managed to secure my, my first management role by the time I was 25 and then a director by 33 and then a CIO by 38 and now at the, the grand old age of 44, uh, <laughs> um, uh, working uh, as a global IT director for a publicly traded large organization and also a, a non-executive director as well, but still continue to try and challenge myself all the time with new things. And part of that has also been the continual focus on study as well. So after I finished my degree at John Moores University, I went on to Warwick University where I did a course, a postgraduate course in international technology management, yeah. which at the time I, I was still doing a, a technical hands-on role, but you know, I, I knew that was the, the path I wanted to, to go along. And then I, but I also did an MBA as well. And I, I, one, of the, one of the challenges I, I set myself was to get my MBA completed before having kids which I managed to do with six months to spare before the, the arrival of my first daughter. So um, that, was, that was quite well timed because th th that took over my life <laughs> after oh, that yeah. point. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did the last year of my master's, my project um, dissertation year with my son. And had I not been so far through it, I think I would have easily given up on it at that point. It, it is a challenge. It, it's hard work, kids. isn't it? Yeah. Certainly with work as well, with, with full time work. So you, you gave us some fantastic tips there. I want to just sort of recap, you know, we're kind of I don't want to miss miss all these great, um, great things. So you the key thing there in the beginning, you had clarity. You knew you wanted one day to be a CIO and, you know, having that that vision and knowing that's what you want to hang on to, even at a junior level, asking those questions is, is really great and I think I think a lot of us need to sort of sort of get that vision really clear in our minds don't we what is it you you want what do you what is it you're aiming for and and maybe not hold ourselves back and think and play small and think that we can't achieve these things you know anybody can do this it's I guess it's, it's just knowing that that's what you really want Yes, I think planning is, is is a good part of that, is, is having that sort of long-term plan of where you want to get to. The path may change a, a few times, but keeping that focus on really what are your goals that you want to achieve and then gradually working towards them. It, it, it doesn't happen overnight uh, yeah. and there's, there's a lot of steps you've, you've, you've got to put in there to getting there, but definitely worthwhile. Definitely. Yeah. And so many of us don't think long term, you know, we're, we're always quite short term. So, And then the second thing is when you asked, which everybody should do, if you've got somebody in your vicinity that you can ask questions to, then do. And you were given that great advice to keep challenging yourself for every, I think you said two and a half to three years, keep moving, keep taking on new responsibilities, keep challenging yourself, keep progressing. And you don't, you've got this constant thing that you were studying in the background you were you'd got your your different courses that you were focusing on to really challenge yourself and progress and sort of build on your knowledge if you like 
Yeah, and that doesn't always mean moving organizations. If you can stay within an organization and take on that additional responsibility and take on new things and, and learn new skills, then that's great as well. But you know, sometimes moving organization is also a helpful step to achieving those things as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I guess one of the things some people think is that you have to wait for your employer to invest in training for you. And I, I guess I'm curious, what, what's your viewpoint on that? Did you wait for your employer to pay for these training courses and, and help you on this way? Or did you did you take it on as your responsibility for your personal development? There's been a mix, really, over the years. I think yeah, the, the most recent things I've done have, have, have certainly been down to myself. So if I, if I look at the yeah, being a chartered IT professional with the, the BCSE and, and uh, also getting my fellowship, there were things that, you know, absolutely was something I, I drove forward. I think I, I was certainly fortunate enough, looking back to when I did the, the course when I was with Marconi, which was that international technology management post-grad course. Mm-hmm. They funded that and that was, that was you know, very helpful. Helpful. And then when I was uh, with MWH, they they helped to fund my, my MBA as well. So, you know, again, very, very fortunate to, yeah. to have the, the support of the organisations behind me at the time. Yeah, definitely. definitely. And that, that course sounds incredibly interesting. Okay, so in your in your role today, you are a global IT director, and all of us are probably thinking, what does that really entail, and um, you know, what are you facing? So, I guess I guess my first question would be, what are the main challenges that you are facing today in in that position? Well, today technology is is very democratized, so you know, it means more and more people have access to technology and to have the ability to, to deploy. You know, cloud compute and that that's great that that's really good but th- there also needs to be a level of governance wraparound to, yeah. to how, how this works i think yeah historically people saw shadow it as something that probably needed to be shut down and stopped and you know, eradicated from an organization and that I, I think that's totally changed you know the, the conversations you know now is very much more about how we embrace that how we foster a culture of innovation and you still need that governance wraparound, as I said, to be able to provide projects to enable them to succeed, really, and with a, a roadmap for uh, sustainability. I suppose, yeah, a big part of that is is making sure that the, the IT security is right as well. So as we build new solutions, using the, the security by design principles is really important. So it's being able to look at this controlling and guiding i guess that level of enthusiasm within organizations to be entrepreneurial and and, and to develop new solutions but to, to do that in a, in a way that is corporately responsible as well I mean, I certainly remember from, you know, my IT degree days, shadow IT was, as you say, something that you should wrap into IT and and get rid of quickly and be mindful of. But I I can certainly see the shift to understanding that a functional area is brought in a piece of technology because it works for them. And it's then, like you say, it's having that overall architecture that works for the entire organisation and having that IT almost becomes, I suppose, a centralised place to bring all that together to make the functions work and perform to the best of their ability. It's trying to be an enabler, but also someone who's able to connect with different groups. And I find a lot of, lot of my time is connecting with different technology groups and different digital practice groups to, to help deliver really, really great innovative solutions. It's it's really exciting because, as I said, as I said before, you know, technology is the democratization of that has meant that it's not just the IT 
team that are involved with technology, it's 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 pretty much everyone within an organisation that's got a vested interest in it. So how how do you go about creating a culture of innovation in your role? Where do you start, and and what kind of things have you found have worked or or not really? Well, I think it's very difficult to innovate when you've also got the responsibilities for operational business as usual yeah. uh, activities. And one of the things I, I've said on a, on a number of occasions, really, is the importance of making room for innovation and creating a space where people can try new ideas and they can look at ways where actually failure is, is accepted and, and knowing that you're not always going to get successes at every stage of the uh, the process. So. Working in that sort of agile methodology really helps to support that mindset of uh, iterative delivery and focus, which is absolutely critical when when you're thinking about creating a a minimal viable product that you're trying to launch. So if you look at creating small squad teams in an effective way to to bring those those relevant skill sets together in a focused group to really focus on product development, that helps you to move quickly. But I think yeah, you've got to have the energy and the enthusiasm within your leadership team, um, really, as well, to to get people excited and engaged about what you're trying to do, what you're trying to develop, and that you want to inspire those others around you to think in a similar way. So, it's so important to have that culture that is is open to change, and, and you can think in a in a very much in an entrepreneurial manner, really. So mm-hmm. I think if you, if you can generate that passion and interest from your team, then it's likely that you're going to get the, the commitment and those creative ideas coming back as well. So it's, it is really about creating the right culture and giving people the, the, the space to, to, to innovate, not try to do it alongside a day job as well. I would imagine, you know, for some leaders that you always want to see a return on investment for every project you do. But what we're talking about here is sometimes there won't necessarily be one when you do MVP. It might it might not work out. You might have to go back to the drawing board. That's the whole thing about innovation. But I guess if we look to some of the leading organisations in this field, you know, you look to the Facebooks and the Googles of the world. They weren't they weren't looking for a return on investment straight away. They knew they got to pioneer things and. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, Amazon's another good example of that. And there's, there's been, uh, you know, they've all got stories about how failure has made them stronger. And I think as long as you learn from those those failures, it, yeah, it does it does make you stronger, and it gives you, you know, it, it makes you a little bit wiser, and gives you yeah more insight for the next project. So what innovations would you like to see more widely adopted in organizations to make IT leadership job easier in delivering more value to those businesses? Well, I know this is something we've probably got a shared passion about, which is doing more with data. I'm talking to the expert here about that. But (laughs) in terms of what organizations can gain from their data and the opportunities of using technologies like artificial intelligence and machine learning and really enabling data to not, not just be a reflective set of information but provide in insight and predictive analytics go going forward for what the future may bring as well mm-hmm. so i think this has been enabled through the use of cloud computing really and the, the, to, be able, to be able to use computed scale 
for most organizations. So again, that democratization I, I spoke about before, I think becomes really important here. But I think yeah, process automation is is another area which I think if we can if we can try and use technology to address those highly repeatable tasks, I think that helps to drive greater efficiency within an organization, but then allows people to focus their time on on being more creative and finding those really innovative solutions and developing IP for the for the business. But those are the areas I like to focus on as much as possible. Absolutely, absolutely. And and it's really interesting that you picked up on that whole data piece that we view it as looking back and it tells us the trends that happened last year and the year before. But that whole piece about using it to forecast and predict the future is incredibly important. And some leaders are still need to be persuaded that it's not a finger in the air, gut feel kind of thing, that you can use your data to, to look at some of those situations, to try and forecast based on what's happened in the past, what might happen in the future. So yeah, 100% agree with that one. Um, so moving on, um, digital transformation. Um, how can the digital transformation process inspire your employees? Well, I think when people, if they're looking at their careers, they want to move up the value chain in, in, in what they do. And I think digital transformation, is, you know, some of those things I talked about just before with process automation mm-hmm. and enables people to focus more on those value add activities and you know, helps them to focus on innovation more and creating ip within a business and i think being part of something as uh, technology forward and as, as, as exciting and transformational is exciting for individuals and i think that is you know pe- people like to be in that, that environment where they that you know it really creates a buzz around what they're doing and, and creating something something new is always very re- rewarding at least it is for me yeah more so than doing the same the same task day in day out i think if we if we can use technology to try and address those those areas um yeah we're, we're able to focus people's attentions on being more creative Absolutely. I mean, there's been a lot of research lately about job satisfaction and the whole newness, the idea of doing something new constantly. It makes people feel more fulfilled, that like they're contributing to something of value rather than, as you say, the repetitive tasks, which which we can automate. So I can absolutely understand how that would happen. Okay, so we know digital transformation is really positive for employees, but how do you bring on board the other executives to understand the value in it, in the technology and that strategic approach within the business? Well, I, th- I think you've you really got to focus on what the business outcomes are and not, not talk too much about the underlying technology. At the end of the day, it's the output that really matters, not the not the not the journey of the the uh, the technology you use to get to that output. So, really focusing on the the so what element of those conversations. What what is it actually going to do? Is is there um, you know also thinking here? Yeah, is there a market for what you're proposing? You know, does it actually provide any tangible benefit for an organisation? So you have to challenge your own thinking around you know what what you're looking to to do anyway, because it's got a be able to add value in in some shape or form we ask that question a lot in data so what so what does it mean what can we do with this and and, and when you're doing a piece of work that you don't understand what the value of it is 
it's also demotivating to you as an employee. So of course it's, de- you know, they can't see a return on investment and the business, you can't win their, the, you know, their support. You know, it is very important to know what, what value you're adding, what, what it could contribute to, where it could lead to. I like that. The focus on the output, not necessarily the journey or the underlying system, because so many times we focus on, are we delivering a, I don't know, a specific piece of software or functionality? And the focus is so much on, on, on the functionality of it and less on the output that it's going to give us or allow us to do. And even if actually the, the original thing doesn't meet the spec. And I guess this is kind of the thing, isn't it, with the whole waterfall um, we've got a list of requirements, but what we realise throughout the project is that those requirements are no longer valid because what we want to achieve, we can achieve differently. And I guess that's the whole agile waterfall approach as well. You're going to get, you're more likely to get to an output that really works for the business versus this is what we agreed two years ago we would deliver. And markets change as well. And that's the other thing is, is certainly with long-term sort of waterfall projects, as you say, by the time you, you get to that output, the the market may have moved on Um, so having that iterative fast deployment mechanism means that you're able to get something to market quickly as as a minimal viable product but then you're able to build on that and look at the feedback that you get and you're able to be a lot more agile in your ability to change course and direction as needed really so the modern world is all about speed yeah. <laughs> yeah. As daunting as that can be, you know, some people feel they can't keep up. But I, I remember reading that the Facebook's mantra is move fast and break stuff. <laughs> and, I, and I thought that's very bold. <laughs> that's very brave in the industry that they're in. But but I can, you can see why you, you can see why yeah, they're encouraging absolutely. people to do that. Yeah it's well it's been an absolute inspiration to have you here today I I certainly feel that if I'd have had somebody like you or this information 10 years ago then I would probably have have sort of honed in on a CIO role myself and really sort of made it happen you know you shared some fantastic strategies and some ideas with us today Um, but I want to ask you one more question if I can and that is if you could give us one piece of advice for somebody who's starting their career in technology now what would it be? Crikey, what just one piece of advice? There's, there's probably lots. Well, but, uh, but, but, <laughs> well we don't mind value add, but <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I think don't be afraid to try new things and learn new skills. And, you know, self development is, is so so important, and don't be afraid of failure. You won't get it right every time. You know, that's okay. You, know, you, you learn from those experiences. You keep going on. Definitely you know, embrace change. You know, look for opportunities to keep developing. And I, th- I think you know, getting involved in, in the technology community and, and start to meet other people is really important because you, you'll learn a lot just from those conversations. And who, who knows where those uh, discussions could lead to? Um, you know, there's a, a world of opportunity out there. Absolutely, absolutely. And I guess, actually, I don't know how, how you feel about this, but just picking up on what you said about failure being okay do you do you feel that there's anything that didn't go well for you in your career but you you turned turned it around you bounced back you changed direction or something oh it's um it's, it's that, that, that's a difficult one it's mm, a challenging <laughs> one isn't it? But it, it it's funny because I, I don't tend to dwell on those things i'm, I'm much more with a, a forward focusing lens i guess yeah. so yeah so yeah you know I, there have been things that i've done wrong during my career and 
what <laughs> actually I, I i remember when i when i was more technical I, I remember having a real issue that i actually uh made made a bit of a uh, bit of a mess of a uh, an active directory once and that caused um, a few problems <laughs> so <laughs> probably a low light in my technical career but yeah i certainly learned from it and we we we, we got it resolved in the end but uh, <laughs> i'm trying to think of any other examples <laughs> no. it's just one of those things you take on challenges every day yeah you know, you know some some things you'll get right and some things you you won't get right but i think uh, at the end of the day it's all about the people and getting the best out of the people and being able to inspire people to do the best that they can do and being there to support and help and guide and provide counsel to them that is the sign of a, a good leader i think and being able to show compassion in, in in those other circumstances when things maybe don't go quite right and and, and know that actually as I said, you know, failure is okay, and people shouldn't be afraid of it. Do you know? Do you know what I picked up from that is is, is something I've been reading about high performance habits, um, Brendan Burchard's book, and it's it's very good. And what they focus on is how high performers like yourself, successful people, they don't dwell on the, the failures. So you you just said that you know you're very forward focused. It might it will have happened at some point, but you didn't let that stop you from developing, from challenging. And and, and as you said, every single day you're probably facing a new situation, a new decision that you might get wrong, but you're not you're never dwelling on those. And I think a lot of us could take a lot away from that to remind ourselves to show yourself some compassion as well as your team. And to move on from it and, and build a solution. I mean, I'm always thinking, well, what, all right, what can we do to fix it then? Let's focus on what are our options now rather than something went wrong, somebody did something and now we're in this, this situation. So I think, I think that's a really good sort of mindset to have. That's a very healthy mindset. Or would you yeah. agree? No, I I'd absolutely agree. I think that's the you know, pretty much the way I, I, I always approach things as well. So um, that's why I probably struggle to answer that question a little bit. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> that's good. That's good. So, so um, take away for everybody, just forget your failures. Stop thinking about them. Let's let's think forward. Let's stop dwelling on them. So um, <laughs> thank you very much, Dave, um, for taking the time to share this with us. And um, I think I, I speak for everyone when I say this has been incredibly valuable. It's just been a pleasure, catching up with you and talking with you today it's it's always always good to share these types of things and talk about uh, some of the some of the things that have gone well and some of the things that don't go so well and a great opportunity to, to actually get some time to reflect you, you don't often get yes. that i guess it's yeah. you know, you're moving so quickly all the time absolutely and that's an, and that 100 agree that's another really valuable thing to do there's so many valuable things but i'm also very conscious this is too much we won't do anything which brings me on to my next point we can all listen to this and we can kind of listen but not actively take in any of this advice but I suggest that you come back to this episode over and over because you'll find a new gem at each stage in your career where you can take that and you can use that as your action point. Maybe you're where Dave was at the very start and you know that you need to progress every two to three years, but you also need to develop and be learning new skills, studying something and have something to aim for. Perhaps you're still figuring out what you need to aim for so that you've got that clarity and you can, you can set out that plan. Or perhaps you've just recently gone through a failure and you need to figure out how to pick yourself back up, not dwell on it, move forward, take on a new challenge and keep focusing on the forward. And there were so many great things here. Perhaps you're new to leadership and you're wondering, how do I 
introduce innovation? How do I make room for it? As Dave says, you've got to make room for these things. Whatever it is, listen back through the podcast and write it in your phone, whatever you make some notes on your planner of, of things that you can do so that you can keep making those incremental shifts in your career and keep progressing. So have a fantastic week. Thank you so much, Dave. And I will speak to you again soon. Thanks, Dave. Cheers. Thanks. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast and stay tuned for more inspiring tech leaders.